Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. In what could be a huge blow to vaccination efforts in California and across the country, federal agencies have called for an immediate pause to the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine as a precaution after six recipients in the U.S. developed a rare disorder involving blood clots. This comes as California and the Biden administration are set to expand vaccine eligibility to everyone over the age of 60. Here to talk about this is NPR pharmaceutical correspondent Sydney Lumpkin. Good morning, Sydney. Good morning. So it's important to know that there have been only six cases out of nearly 7 million vaccines administered in the U.S. So it's a very rare occurrence we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Health officials have said they want the vaccine process to be transparent. So is this all part of that transparency? It is. Uh, Basically, the FDA is doing this, as it has said repeatedly, out of an abundance of caution because it is only six and they're they're trying to nail down, you know, whether or not this is, you know, correlation or causation. Is this just, you know, a coincidence? And Basically, it's a recommendation of a pause, but it's not a mandate. So a doctor and a patient may decide that based on their individual risk of COVID-19 and what may happen to them if they were to get it because of, say, underlying health conditions, the risk of the blood clot for them may be something that they're willing to take. Remember that it's it's six of these blood clot scenarios that we know about right now, but that's out of nearly 7 million Johnson & Johnson doses that have been administered so far. Of course, there could be more that are discovered, but it is less than one in a million at this point. And how might this affect a problem that we already have, which is vaccine hesitancy? Certainly, vaccine hesitancy has been a problem and was a problem even before COVID-19. People were wary of vaccines and, you know, they're they're worried about a vaccine that has been developed so quickly, though, of course, we know that the FDA uh, reviewed data and this was, you know, studies of 30,000 people and um Overall, certainly it could spook people who are on the fence about getting vaccinated. But ultimately, what it shows is that the FDA, the CDC, et cetera, are watching all of the data coming in from people being vaccinated, you know, after that authorization process at the FDA. And they're proceeding 
really carefully and they're being transparent and they're telling us, hey, this is what we're seeing. We're not sure what it is, but we just want to let you know about it, which is overall a good thing. And, you know, I I assume there are a lot of people waking up today here in California who expected to get the J&J shot today or sometime this week. How do you think it could affect this state from what you know? So in California, there have been around not quite 900,000 Johnson & Johnson doses delivered or administered, excuse me, already. And that's out of 23 million total doses administered in the state. So it's not even 4% of all doses administered in California. So is it probably a large number of people who are expecting to get Johnson & Johnson doses? No. The FDA is and the CDC and all of the federal health authorities are, are trying to work with states to make sure that people can reschedule to get other vaccine shots so that they're not left without a dose. Um, ultimately, the goal is to get everyone vaccinated eventually. The other thing to sort of keep in mind is that the review with the CDC's panel of experts to look at the data for these six blood clot cases is going to happen tomorrow. And it's expected to last a few days, but the the whole thing could also unpause relatively quickly. And Cindy, who are the people who've had the problems with the J&J vaccine? And if you've already gotten this vaccine, should you be worried? So the people who have had this severe and rare, very, very rare type of blood clot, um, which is a a little bit different than your typical blood clot in that it doesn't respond to an anticoagulant called heparin. Heparin can actually make it worse, which is part of the reason why I think there's there's so much press about this, why they're so out there about it. But it, it tends to be women under 50 who have been vaccinated within the last few weeks. So if you have been vaccinated more than a month ago, your risk of this is probably pretty low. If you have been vaccinated in the last few weeks and you experience a severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, shortness of breath, you might want to call your doctor. All right. NPR pharmaceutical correspondent Cindy Lupkin. Thank you so much, Cindy. You bet. We're expecting to hear more from local health officials in California today about what this pause of the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine could mean here. However, state officials say it will not affect work at the Oakland Coliseum or Cal State Los Angeles, mass vaccination sites that have been run by the federal government. They say those sites transitioned back to using Pfizer doses last Sunday. As the holy month of Ramadan continues, health leaders are encouraging Muslims to get the COVID-19 vaccine. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. During Ramadan, many Muslims abstain from food and drink in daylight hours. Muslim health leaders are urging people not to let fasting stop them from getting a COVID-19 vaccine. We do not believe that the vaccine, or any injectable for that matter that's not nutritionally based, breaks your fast, and we really want you to get the vaccine. Dr. Hassan Shanawani is president of the American Muslim Health Professionals. He says any of the three vaccines being offered in the U.S. are considered halal and are permissible for Muslims to use. And if you need to drink water, that's okay too. Do what you feel is safe and know that God's a merciful guy and, you know, he's okay, like with you making it up. You're allowed to make up days. I mean, we do that all the time. Don't wait till the end of Ramadan because it's a really big safety issue. On Thursday, any Californian age 16 and above can make an appointment to get the free COVID-19 vaccine. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In other health news, the state's health insurance exchange to cover California has reopened enrollment so people can sign up for insurance plans. And $3 billion of new federal funds coming to California to help subsidize coverage could lower insurance costs for 2.5 million state residents, with some Californians being able to buy coverage for as little as a dollar a month. To promote signing up, Covered California is rolling out a multi-million dollar statewide advertising campaign with an emphasis on consumer savings. Check CoveredCA.com to see your new lower price. The sooner you sign up, the more you save. Only at Cover California. This way to health insurance. Covered California says already insured Californians who switch to one of the insurance exchange's plans could save up to $700 a month on health coverage. Let's turn to the Central Valley, where street vendors in some communities have been victimized by violence and thefts. And just last month, vendor Lorenzo Perez was shot and killed while he was selling corn in southeast Fresno. Now community members are offering street patrols and other services to help vendors feel safe. Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños reports. I wanted to cry when I heard they killed that man. We're just out here looking for a better life. The Rodriguez is a street vendor who sells clothes and blankets in southeast Fresno. A few months ago, someone took off with her most expensive blankets. Since then, she's been hesitant about returning to work. Fresno police say there were six incidents involving street vendors last year, but experts say many more go unreported. Community organizer Alex Ramos O'Casey says many street vendors don't go to the police because they're afraid they'll be arrested for being undocumented or cited because they don't have the proper permits. They're just trying to take care of their families. They're trying to take care of themselves. Um, and especially when we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, some folks, right, haven't gotten any government assistance, especially like a lot of our undocumented community. That's why, following the news of Lorenzo Perez's death, Ramos O'Casey began organizing community members to provide pepper spray and other forms of support to street vendors. At the city level, council members are proposing a street vendor association and calling for a streamlined permitting process so vendors can operate legally. Ramos O'Casey says they want their efforts to be guided by the vendors themselves. We just want to make sure that, you know, we're we're asking them, right, you know, like this is the support that we can offer you in this moment, but we would like to continue, right, and make sure that you feel comfortable telling us, right, if there's additional means of protection um, that you would like later on. Valeria Rodriguez-Pedrosa has been working with Ramos O'Casey on these efforts. She says the protection might look different for each type of street vendor. 
whether they're pushing a cart of paletas or elotes or if they're selling clothes on a street corner. When you see someone who is mobile, it, it's because they're at the very start of their business. So oftentimes they'll start mobile and then they'll have a corner where they have a developed group of customers that know them, that know they're going to be at that spot. Rodriguez Pedrosa says most vendors are usually alone and therefore vulnerable. That's why she's also introducing them to mobile payment services like Cash App. That way, she says, street vendors won't have to carry as much cash with them. It's a hot day on the corner of Tulare and Cedar in southeast Fresno. Rodriguez Pedrosa is helping Francisco Matias and Esperanza Rodriguez set up a cash app account. The couple said someone robbed sweaters from them in December, but they continue to work because it's their only way to support their family. Now, Esperanza Rodriguez says they've been feeling even more anxiety since they heard about what happened to Lorenzo Perez. We are scared that something can happen to us. We're here with our little business, and this is how we live. Rodriguez Pedrosa says she and other organizers will continue to patrol the area so that the couple and other vendors can feel safe while working. That would just be a means of just showing up, right? Strength in numbers. Just being there, being aware, paying attention to what's going on. She says they will continue taking donations to provide PPE, pepper spray, and video recorders to street vendors that want them. For The California Report, I'm Mari Bolaños in Fresno. And finally, a big blow to movie-going in Los Angeles and other cities just as people started returning to theaters. Arclight and Pacific Theaters have announced they're closing their venues for good because of the economic damage caused to the theater industry by the pandemic. The closures include Hollywood's iconic Cinerama Dome, which has been holy ground to L.A. cinephiles since it first opened in 1963. One hope, maybe another company can take up the leases on some of the theaters so the screens can be brought back to life. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, April 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org adaptingcare. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 